Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey folks, yes, and welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 114 for April the 22nd, 2017. I'm your host, Jack, and I'm going to be guiding you into, through, and back out of the world of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. Are you learning how to be a server administrator? Well, you know, it's not hard to learn how to be a server administrator. Or if you're just somebody in the office and you say, you know, this is not my task and I need to learn more about this. You can learn everything you need to know to install up to administration of Windows Server 2008 R2 or Windows Server 2012 R2. Just go to our partner site at itpro.edu. That's it. P-R-O-E-D-U dot com and get started on your future today. Check out those great courses once again at ITProEDU dot com. Folks, check out our website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, I would love to hear from you. You can just email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. Once again, that's jackstechcorner at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter and as at Technoman. Folks, I thought this show, uh, since recently I've been doing a lot of work uh, with hosted servers. And we know there's a lot of companies out there doing hosted servers. I even think Google is trying to get into that market now. Uh, we know that Amazon's in that market. Uh, we know that there are many companies uh, getting into there. Uh, Amazon is a big one, but I was playing with Microsoft Azure. Uh, now, if you know, we talked about Azure in the past, and Microsoft Azure is just that. It's it's a cloud-based um, web server farm, I guess, or cloud-based server farm, uh, for a lack of better term in, uh, terminology there. But it allows you to set up all of your servers in the cloud. Now, why was I looking at doing this? Well, Recently, we've been working on uh, school budgets, okay? So anytime you get a school uh, and you're working on a budget, and when the school comes back to you and says, cut your budget by 15%, let's say, just for instance, uh, you may have $70,000 worth of servers uh, within that budget, okay? So you're looking at $70,000 hit, uh, and you need that cash up front to buy those servers. And this might be in your company. Uh, maybe you work for a, I always say, a drafting firm, uh, maybe you work for a nuclear biological firm, whatever it is, and you go and you say, look, we need a $100,000 server upgrade. Well, today with companies, and I know I worked for a for-profit company for a while, and it, it was kind of hilarious because their newest laptop was 10 years old. Uh, so think about that. Your whole entire business is running over your computer systems, and your newest 
device that your people use every day is 10 years old. Uh, yeah, I didn't stay there very long because I see that they're going to be falling apart at some point. Uh, so it's not a good thing. But anyway, let's move on from there. So it was put to me to cut my budget uh, by, I think it was 15%. It wasn't much. Uh, you know, when you're looking at a half of, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, anywhere from, uh, you know, 350000 to $500,000 budgets and you want to cut 15 or 20%. It's not hard. But my issue was, was I was looking for $60,000 worth of server upgrades uh, that's needed. And it's always put to you that is that, is that server upgrade really needed? Uh, do you think it can last another year? Uh, and, and us as technology directors uh, in any field, we have to look into the crystal ball, right? We have to start looking into that crystal ball, moving that crystal ball back and forth and going, well, you know, it's like insurance. You have insurance and you hope nothing ever happens. Um, and with these servers getting older and older and older and with age, something could happen, but wonder if it doesn't. Uh, if it doesn't, you look like a hero, right? If it does and you didn't push the issue, now you look like a zero, right? So it's a, it's a whole – the whole thing we talk about all the time about ones and zeros, right? We're all ones and zeros. It's either on or off, uh, and, and that's the way everything works, right down to our budgets. So let's get back now. So I started looking at Azure, and I thought, well, if I can instead uh, – a lot of companies want you to do this nowadays, and I've been finding this out more and more, is instead of actually – Worrying about laying out a lump sum of money, say $70,000 or $60,000, whatever that may be. Instead of doing that, a lot of companies would rather pay for something as a service like they do for their electric, uh, their water, uh, their sewage, uh, gas or heat uh, within your building or what have you. So with that said, if you can take Azure, which is a service, and use them to control and run uh, basically your server farm without having to lay any money out for hardware, it's it's kind of a win-win situation. Now, there's a couple little things I found uh, when I started playing with this that you need to be aware of, all right? So at the very onset, what you need to do is you need to have a domain name set up for that server. Now, what I'm talking about here is we are not talking about a hosted server name, uh, such as I worked in one school as a consultant for a while. Uh, I went in, uh, a buddy of mine helped me, asked me to come in and help realign their servers and uh, build a little bit of clustering for them. So I went in and did a little bit of consulting work. And their servers was named with their school district name dot .local. All right, you cannot, uh, at least to my knowledge, I found you cannot do this with, with Azure. And the reason is Azure wants a qualified domain name, and it doesn't have to be your web name, okay? It doesn't have to be uh, HBO.com, but it does have to be something that HBO owns. It could be something like HBO.net, something they don't publicize, but something that will be their actual registered domain uh, name, right? Their base, uh, the base of that, that forest or that tree that we're building. So when I first started looking at this, I thought, well <laughs> – Maybe I can get away with just using my IP address. And they, they give you an IP. They give you a registered, uh, accessible, routable IP address. Maybe I could just use that IP address. Um, well, that didn't work out too well for me. So I tried that. And what happened was when you go back to the Windows 10 laptop or Windows 10 computer, be that what it is, 
and you join it to the domain, you're going to join it to an Azure domain. Okay, and that's just what it asks you to do. And when you do this, you're going to have to put your email credentials in for that domain is kind of how it's set up. It's interesting. Instead of them just saying, uh, let's put in there, you know, hbo.net as the domain, uh, the administrator password and username, and you connect to that domain, it's not really how it's configured. So it is a bit confusing to me. Uh, now, they did. Microsoft did email me a lot of times and said, uh, look, uh, Jack, you know, we can help you out. We can do whatever. But I just don't always have that amount of time available to me to do that. Um, you know, I should have taken the time. What we did was, uh, and I can guarantee you this. Let me tell you this. If you go with a 30-day trial and you put your credit card information in, Microsoft does not charge you. They will not charge you. It, like, you know, most companies are like, well, if you don't call in and cancel, we, we think that you want it, and they just start charging you. Microsoft will not do that. They send you an email about uh, 27 days in, and they say, you know, we hope you're enjoying the product. We hope that everything's working out okay for you. And if there's anything we can help you with, please let us know. Uh, and at the end of 30 days, it says, you know, we're sorry that you didn't stick with us. If you'd ever like to revamp those servers, put your credit card information in, and then you can bring those servers back up online. So I don't really think in the working industry, uh, if you're as busy as I am, uh, many of you may be. Some of you might just sit around your office all day hoping for something to do. But if you're as busy as I am, I don't have a lot of time within a 30-day window. Um, I kind of wish Microsoft would have maybe gave me um, 90 days a free trial for 90 days. I don't think it would hurt them at all to do that. And uh, I think that would allot people more time to be able to kind of play with it because you need time to play with this stuff. Uh, and I didn't give myself a lot of time. But I did find that out. I did find it's very easy to bring up servers. I mean uh, just as easy as our videos show you. Uh, as long as you know some basic server administrative uh, tasks, you know that you need to know, like setting up DHCP, understanding um, DNS, and, and understanding what that does uh, with your servers. If you can do those basic functions, um, and remember, if you can't, you know, go over to itpro.edu.com, take one of my courses because it teaches you all that. It teaches you everything you need to know to be able to get in there and do that work. But if you know that basic stuff, you can bring up servers pretty rapidly on their system. Um, I didn't have any trouble at all spinning up. I brought up a, a, a primary domain controller, I still call it, or the primary uh, first domain in your forest. And I set up a backup domain controller or a secondary domain controller very easily. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of uh, trouble. They connected very well together. Um, you know, as long as that primary has the DNS set up on it. The secondary, it will find the primary, and it just works really, really well. And all of your, um, all of your database, all of your administrative usernames, all of your uh, Active Directory users, everything synced up to that backup domain controller, it, just like it should. So it worked very well. Um, the next thing we were looking at using it for was more so um, what I was thinking of using it for was something to the fact of putting all of our servers there because we have right now. I have, I believe it's 22 servers running. Uh, now, a lot of those are virtual servers, but there's 22 instances of server software running. And that is on actually nine uh, physical servers. So we have nine physical servers running with 22 virtual servers running on top of those. Folks, if I can host those somewhere else, I think that would be a win-win for, for my school. 
um, because I can help them cut the budget. And I think we can save money by doing this. And there's some drawbacks to that. So now let's talk a little about, about remote services, good and bad. What can be bad about remote services? We all know, like right now, we are a pretty much, I would say, I think it's about 85% a Google app shop. Okay, our district uses Google Suite. Uh, we use Google uh, Gmail. You know, we use Gmail for our email hosting. And we're about 85%. Uh, after June 15th, we will be 100% Google Shop. And that scares some people. Some people go, well, I can never use Office again. And that's not true. The only thing we're using Google for is primarily for students. They're going to be using a lot of the Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, which they've been doing for years. But what we're primarily looking at this for is the Google Drive, right? So everything is hosted somewhere else. Everybody's files are hosted. And the Gmail, the Google Mail. Uh, so that way all the email is hosted. We don't have to worry about that. Because we found over the winter season here that we lost power a couple times. And folks, when you lose power and you have an exchange server in your rack, guess what you have? No email. That's exactly right. No email at all. So you want to be able to have that email server hosted somewhere else. Now, I don't care if you use Office 365. Uh, we also have that in the school. And that allows the students to use Office products if they want or if the teachers want them to use those online. They can use all those online. It saves on OneDrive, and, and that's just fine, too. They can do that. But the primary thing is is hosting your email um, and your websites. Don't host your websites in your racks any longer. I think we talked about that on the show a while back. So your email, your websites – and uh, your your storage. You don't want any of that to be in your rack anymore. So I started digging around our racks and really looking. And a lot of the stuff is internal um, applications we use, uh, such as like uh, maybe library software, um, your student information software, which which ours is cloud hosted anyway, so it's no longer in our racks. Um, and you start breaking down all these services that you're running all, on all your different servers. What are you running? What applications are you running? And then just draw yourself out a plan. I just sat down and I sketched out a, a total design plan about where I would locate these servers at. And it kept coming back to Microsoft Azure. I kept thinking, well, you know, we're primarily a Windows server shop now. So why not? And I know the other companies out there will host Windows servers. I understand that. But why not take that shot and just give it to Microsoft? Uh, they're very good at what they do. Obviously, they have Windows servers. They update on their own. There's nothing you got to worry about. So what's the bad side of that? The bad side of that, and I used to preach this a few years ago um, before I left one school to go to another school, but I used to preach at one time was very simply when you host your your day-to-day -day, um, programs, okay, such as if you have in your office, uh, let's say you have a sales team, and that sales team is using something to maintain a database for all their sales contacts and everything else. Most of the people where I used to work at one time, I told you that little uh, stint that I spent in a for-profit company, which was a little scary. They all used um, Outlook, and they used the contacts in Outlook to maintain each individual salesperson's contacts. 
in a company, you're setting yourself up for vulnerability. And what that is, if that person gets fired, if that person leaves your company for any reason, all they got to do is take their Outlook contacts or maybe even uh, maybe they just take the laptop, right? That all goes with them. You have to maintain a company database. Now, if you're maintaining a company database or in schools, if we maintain a school database for student records, grades, whatever, reports, if you host that outside and for some reason during the day your internet drops uh, or say it drops out for you know an hour, two hours, the same reason why you wouldn't want to keep an exchange server in your rack, sometimes it's the exact same reason why you want to keep your database servers in your rack. Okay, let's say that again. Sometimes the reason you want your exchange server or your email to be hosted, because if you lose power or internet connection, mail is still getting there, is the same reason why you may want to keep your database servers in-house, because if your internet breaks, your people can still work. So there's stuff to look at. When you draw these plans out, you have to give the pros and cons, folks. It Our business is tons of pros and cons. That's just what we do for a living. You have to make it – it's not always about cost, and I tell people that. You have to do things the right way, the proper way. Uh, when you're working for anybody and they start nickel and diming you and saying like, oh, no, that's too much money. You can't do – you can't do that. One time I worked for a company, and they cut my antivirus uh, out of my <laughs> – out of my budget. Uh, so the antivirus was, I don't know, $2,500, whatever, for the number of – computers we had at, at a private school that I worked at. Even though I kicked and screamed and I said, look, we don't want to do this, um, but I keep really good notes because when that was cut from the budget, I kept notes by this person said that we can probably do without it. And that's fine because if somebody's above you and they say you can probably do without it, maybe they know more than you do or they believe in their in their mind that they know more than you do. <laughs> Anyway, that was back in 19 uh, no, that was back in 2001. In 2001 there was this little uh, virus that came out, right? It was called the love bug virus. I don't know if you remember that or not. If you've been in the industry for any time, you'll remember hearing that virus. We got slammed by that virus. And it came to me and said, well, "Why don't we have antivirus on our computers? You should know better." I said, "Yeah, I should, but right here uh, is this statement I have that says, cut that from your budget um, because we can do without it. And when they read who that title of that person was, it was no longer my issue. Uh, that same day, uh, believe it or not, they wrote me a check uh, for the antivirus company. I sent the check in. We got the antivirus. We started cleaning computers. Um, but the whole um, backbone to that story is stand your ground. Keep good notes. Um, I would recommend – and I recommend this to everybody. Either you're going to use Microsoft OneNote because it's free, um, or you're going to pay for Evernote. I pay for Evernote because I've been using it for like ever since they started writing the code for Evernote. And I believe in the program. Matter of fact, I'm doing this show right now from Evernote. And I keep all those notes in there. I still have those notes today. I can still go back and tell you when I wrote those notes. It's kind of hilarious. But uh, cover your ass. C-Y-A, right? They always taught us that in the Army. Cover your ass. It's very important because when the, when the crap hits the fan and you're a network administrator or a server administrator, it's your butt that's going down. Not the CEO that told you cut the budget. It's your butt unless you have a good record.
So that's why remote service is good or bad. You have to draw that plan out. Make sure that you get somebody to sign off on that. Uh, sit down with the CEO, with the superintendent, whoever you're working for in your company, COO, and say, look, uh, Bob, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. This is what may happen. This is what may not happen. But this is how much money we could save if we do it this way. And this is why I think it's okay. If you have all that, and I think you're going to do a very, very good job of, of covering all your bases. Okay, so cost of ownership. I wanted to go over a couple of these. Again, this is just Azure. Um, you know, sometimes you just can't find your mouse here. Okay, so this is just Azure. The thing I didn't really understand with Azure, and I wish they could come out with a better pricing plan. Um, for my hosting packages, I use oneinone.com. That's what I use personally for all my websites that I run. Uh, on my personal life, right? But Azure doesn't do what one and one does. one and one says, look, if you want uh, web-based hosting, you can have unlimited domains. You can have uh, unlimited upload space for your, for your whatever, your videos, your audio files for your, uh, for your podcast, whatever you want to do. But the thing that I don't get uh, very often and I don't understand is uh, Microsoft Azure is based, it says on here, um, per minute billing. Uh, okay, Microsoft, this is not cell phone coverage, right? Uh, I don't know if they think they're talking cell phone lingo, but just tell me if I want one server with 8 gigs of RAM with a terabyte drive in it or 250 gigabyte drive, whatever, um, with this processor or dual processor, how much am I going to pay a month? That's all I want to know because I need a budgetary number. I can't go and write a budget and say, well... You know, it's 89 cents per minute based on how many minutes will we use. Well, Jack, how much? How many minutes are you projecting we use? Well, we're in school 180 days a year. Um, at that time, we're going to have, you know, uh, 1,400 users using our system seven hours a day unless they log in at night, and then that could be a variable. How can you even figure that as your as your total cost of ownership? It's really, really hard to understand this, Microsoft. I hope you can put this together and get a better pricing or structure. I know you do that because it makes it look like it's very cost-effective to do this. Um, but I think uh, if you can maybe just say, look, it's going to be uh, $8 per server per month. Um, maybe say if you have 10 servers, it will be $6 per server per month, whatever. Just give us a basic ballpark price. You know, get rid of all this. Uh, okay, there's no upfront cost. There's no termination fees, which is good to know. Not that once you get your server form running, wherever it's going to be, you're probably not going to terminate it. Pay only for what you use. What does that mean? Pay only for what you use. Does that mean, and I didn't read all the documentation, and maybe you guys can help me out. You can comment back on this or email me back and give me some, some of your – maybe you're using Azure. Does pay only for what you use, does that mean to be if I have a terabyte drive and I'm only using, say, uh, three gigs of that drive, is that all I'm paying for uh, this month is a three gig? Um, do I have to pay for bandwidth going up and down when people are transmitting up and down? Now, they're not going to be transmitting files, um, but they're going to be bringing data back and forth uh, if I have databases out there. So if they're logging in in the morning, they'll be, they'll be doing that. So it's really confusing. Uh, and I think that's the part that scared me the most, Microsoft, was was your pricing structure. Uh, and folks out there, if you know anything about that pricing structure, maybe you can help me out there. 
So we're going to do a little bit of wrap-up here, a little bit of final thoughts. Uh, first of all, here's one thought I have is, you know, don't ever, and I hope you never do this, uh, bash a podcaster, especially me at this point, uh, for not giving you a show each and every week. Um, and I know, I know most of you will not do that because you're really, really good people. Um, and, and this podcast reaches thousands of people each week, and I really appreciate you uh, downloading and subscribing to the show still. Uh, it's, it's funny because even when a podcaster takes a little while off, a few weeks off or a month off, uh, people are still listening to those old shows and catching up. So I hope you don't bash me for not keeping up with the shows. Um, I would like more of you to email me with some ideas, uh, or questions, uh, that we can use to plug the show, right? To put some, uh, more information into these shows. I think that would be really, really nice of you to do that, um, but the big thing is, is I'm sorry that I haven't produced any uh, shows recently. I want to get back on track with these and get these back out there to you. I think they're very important um, to get these out and to get you uh, more up to date and up to snuff on the the back end server side of things. I think is so so important. And um, you know, and talking about the networking aspect of it, especially, I get a lot of emails from people like that. Are, are kind of thrust into that role. You know, like the opening says, this is for the person that was kind of uh, designated as the server person for the for the company. Uh, you you didn't go to school for it. You're not prepared for it. And, and this, this shows, you know, these shows kind of, I want to help you also to say, look, you're not alone. I mean, we can help you through this stuff. Um, and I know there's a lot of you out there that have a lot more experience than I do that can email me and give me ideas uh, for future shows. You can also give me some commentary. Uh, you know, by all means, do that and and get those in here. I mean, even if you want to record an audio clip and email that to me, I'll play it on the show. I think that helps a lot, also. So, but some final thoughts of hosted services. Uh, as I said, I've been hosting my web services for years, and uh, one in one. Just last week. If you noticed or not, my sites went down. Uh, I wake up in the morning. Sometimes I go to write an article on one of the blogs, and the sites were down. And I and I was really blown away by that uh, because they're very, very good. I mean, they probably have a 97% uptime. And for those sites to be down, I was kind of blown away by that. But um, but I called. I gave them a call, and they ran uh, some kind of fix on the server, and it was back up within an hour. And that's what they told me. So it's fine. So... But as I said earlier, hosted services are uh, – you're going to have to draw that map out. There's pros and cons. You you have to know what you can host. You have to know what you can't host out there in the world. I think you have to <clears throat> know what you need in your network as well as what you can allow to be outside. You know, if something – if you have a service um, such as I mentioned or like library software, if the library software was down for uh, an, an hour, uh, if it was down for a day – would there be a little discomfort uh, to the librarians? Yes. Will there be a mass catastrophe? Can nobody check out books? No. So that's one of those pros and cons where you can sit and you can tell the librarians, look, we want to do this. Uh, we're going to host your server out here um, where it can be accessible from you from home much easier than what it is here uh, with the VPNs and everything. All you need is a remote desktop connection. You can get to it. But these are the downside this is what could happen not that it will but it could right the other thing to think about when you're remote hosting uh, any services <clears throat> is have a backup 
internet line. I think that's crucial. Um, it's not 100%. We'll talk about that one night on the show, something that I found uh, recently in my situation. Uh, we do have two internet lines, uh, and they're both very, very solid lines. But there's times, and, and like I said, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I'll just give that a little bit uh, a push here to you. So that's some of my final thoughts. Um, make sure you have the roadmap. Uh, check out and see if you have if you could do backup internet lines. Uh, and again, your company's going to scream at you. I used to get screamed all the time. We don't need a backup. Nobody else has a backup. Well, nobody else has half the crap we have, right? Or half the technology we have. Um, if you want to set yourself apart from everybody else, be the first to do it. Um, you know, and that's why I had to um, move uh, to to a different school because this school district is proving that they are being the first. They are setting the standards for all the other schools. Um, you know, I don't like to be. Uh, you, you don't want to be always held back and say you can't progress the technology. You want. You don't want to work somewhere where they want to reverse technology. Uh, you want to be somewhere where they're advancing technology all the time. They take your ideas and they run with them. So that's what you want to do. Um, if you're in one of those positions, I suggest run, run away uh, because you can get a bad reputation and you don't want that bad rap for yourself. So, all right, that's my final thoughts. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here by telling you, as always, don't forget to check out my Amazon link at, on the website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. If you have an ad blocker, and I know many of us do, deactivate the ad blocker, go in there. And use that Amazon link when you buy anything from Amazon. I mean anything. If you buy shoe polish, use my Amazon link. Uh, and I know a lot of you listen to Mike's tech show, and that's great. Uh, Mike's a wonderful guy. He also has an Amazon link. But share the love between us both, you know. Use my link for some things. Use his link for some things, you know. Hey, maybe use my link for servers and, and switches and use his link for shoe polishes and, and house dusting. I'm just kidding. Uh, Mike's a great guy. I listen to him each week. So it's a wonderful thing. All right, folks, take care. Hope you enjoyed this show, and I will talk to you very soon here at Tips from the Server Room. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long. <laughs>